0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Mark Faulkner, Assistant Sports Editor at the Detroit News, and I'm joined by beat reporter Ted Colfin up here in the press box after the Red Wings-Panthers game here at
1: We changed it up, Mark, but it doesn't matter. They still lose. (laughs) We change it up, and it's still the same old results around here.
0: What did you make of tonight's game, Ted? A 4-1 loss, 34 saves for Jimmy Howard, 0 for 7 on the power play. He played much better. Jimmy, actually, these
1: two games here, Jimmy, got back to the level they they need, they kind of expect. Um, But, boy, that power play tonight, 0 for 7, very ineffective. I mean, that was the difference of the game. You figure Florida gets... Florida wasn't exactly barn-burning either, but they did get a score there on their sixth attempt. Beautiful play there, Barkoff with a redirect, and that was the difference in the game. Mm. And, boy, the wings 0 for 7. I think we'll listen to Jeff Blaschner yeah, momentarily. That. I mean, he was lamenting the fact that it really didn't over – he wanted them to simplify it. They did not. They were trying to make the perfect pass. Let's just listen to Jeff right now, Mark. They scored a power play goal, and we have seven chances, and we didn't. And, and I thought, uh, you know, we've talked to our group about being efficient, taking what's given, and, and, and overshooting it a little bit. Um, I thought we had a power of at least one power play where I thought we really shot it, and uh, we had some looks. Um, but then we overcomplicated it. After that,
0: yeah, you wonder sometimes. Ted, trying to make a perfect pass, it doesn't, it doesn't make well, it a lot of a sense. Well, yeah. was yeah. trying to.
1: They were trying to get a pass through three people when they were like open people right next to them and whatnot. Just trying to make the simple, trying to make too hard of a play. You could see it on several of those attempts tonight. It was mm-hmm. that was the difference of the game. I mean, let's face it. When you have seven opportunities, you can't cash in. That hurts. Back to Jimmy Howard, just for a second.
0: I talked to a scout who thought that Howard was playing out of his crease more and more athletic. He was certainly moving around. He's a smaller goaltender, a lot of knowledge. He said he's just trying to react better. I'm not sure why he's played better these last two games, Ted, but he still hasn't won in no. his last 14 starts.
1: But at least, I mean, it wasn't like Tuesday night now Long Island. That was just... A difficult night all the way around for him and the team. And there's there's been too many of those type of evenings this season. These last two, I mean, he got back to NHL quality, Jimmy Howard quality, goaltending. He gave him a chance to win both nights. Yeah, the record is what it is. But, I mean, if he can keep him in games like this, it's much better for everybody concerned.
0: How about one of the uh, turning points of the game? It's 2-1, third period. Franz Nielsen, who has more shootout goals than anybody else in history, comes down on Bobrovsky. Try to go five-hole, I think, at two chances. If he scores there, it's 2-2, and it might be a different game. And then, of course, you mentioned the Barkov goal down right. at the other end, but that was certainly another play sure. where if the wings have a better second- or third-line centerman down the road... They might tie that game. Who knows?
1: Just a miserable season for Nielsen. And it just, I mean, it's just bad breaks all the way around. Another one there tonight. The offensive game has disappeared. It really has. I mean, he's such a great leader. He is a really yeah. good leader in the locker room. There's no question. And he cares. He does care. But the offensive production simply has not been there.
0: One of the Red Wings highlights was Dylan Larkin's 100th career goal, that breakaway. He came out of the penalty box. Mm. He's now the youngest Red Wings since Steve Eiserman to score his 100th goal at age 21. That was Eiserman. Larkin's 23 years old. He's averaging about 20 goals a season, Ted. He had 32 last year. That might be a bit of an anomaly. you think he's a 20 to... 30
1: goal score moving I would forward. I hope so. Yeah. I think that's what they hope so, too. But the big topic in the locker room after were just the fact that he's developed into being such a much better two way center. Um, Jeff Blashill talked about matching him up at the World Championships, going against some of the best oh. players in the world. And Dylan Larkin held, more, held, he held his own against those people. Um, Great start to the career, obviously, the 100 goals. I mean, that's, that's a lot of goals in a quick amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's one of the cornerstones heading... heading forward that's for sure now it
0: took Iserman only 256 games to score his 100 goals Larkin different era. yeah different era. Era. different era Larkin's playing in a more defensive minded right, game right. you just mentioned the two-way game as well to talk about though Iserman is Gerard Gallant who was on one of our earlier podcasts and of course is rumored to replace Jeff Blaschel either now or at the end of the season it took Galland Only 245 games to score his 100 goals. Here's what he had to say, what his role was back playing on a line with Steve Eiserman.
2: Well, I just came to play every night. I mean, I was uh, an up-and-down winger. I knew when I got the puck, I wanted to give it to Steve as quick as possible because he made the plays, and I went hard to the net. And I used to shoot the puck real good in the day and had a good shot, so I could score from the outside. But uh, the main thing was to, you know, get the puck to our centerman, Steve Eiserman, let him carry it up the ice, and, we'd go hard to the blue paint and get some goals from there. So, uh, you know, and uh, physically, I had no issue with the physical part of the game. I enjoyed it. It was a big part of me getting involved in the game. So, I liked the game. I liked to play every night, and uh, I had fun when I went to the ring.
0: Ted, what do you make of all the rumors? Our first podcast since Gerard Gallant was fired. Nothing, of course, is imminent. Shocking, shocking. Yes. I
1: mean, that's organization. I mean, they just, two years ago as an expansion team, you make the Stanley Cup Finals, and I don't know. I mean, you signed a couple of long-term compre- contracts with, what, Max Pacioretty, I think Mark Stone. Yeah, need a, other a few others, yeah. Kind of make the team slower and older, and all of a sudden, you know, you're panicking after a four-game losing streak here. Uh, first off, the timing was incredible. I was shocked by it. I just don't see anything happening imminently here with the Wings. I really don't. I mean, the thing is, Jordan Glenn going to have choices, too. I mean, there's going to be a lot of opportunities after the season. Could it happen? Sure. I think there's a good – I mean, there's – the formula is there. I mean, he's good friends with Steve. Really good friends. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's – I mean, the formula is there, but then – does he want to be part of a rebuild here? I mean, he's going to be able to walk into much better situations around the league than this one. I mean, this this team's about three or four years away from being competitive. I mean, he's going to have some stability, so that helps. I mean, he hasn't had stability in the last couple stops. We'll see what happens. I don't see anything happening here soon, but... Yeah. We'll certainly see after the season.
0: Now, Ted, uh, you talked to Blaschel the other day about all these coaching changes. Seven so far, five performance-based. Blaschel's finishing up his fifth season as coach, eighth in the organization. With tonight's loss, he's now 30 games under five hundred. yes, in the rebuild, and 377 games, a four sixty one winning great percentage. Stat,
1: great stat. I saw on Twitter here no, since November Pick a date. I think it was mid-November. The Wings have, what, five victories, but seven coaches have been fired. <laughs> it's an amazing... <laughs> that uh, is. It is an amazing statistic. More coaches fire but, than wins, yeah. Say, uh, look, I think everybody knows the situation. I mean, it is it is what it is. I'll still be a little bit surprised if they, they keep them, obviously, after the season, but... I mean, everybody understands where the, they are in the development process here this season.
0: Time now for our interview segment. We'll hear from two Red Wings prospects, both drafted by Steve Eiserman, second-rounder Robert Mastersimoni, and fourth-rounder Ethan Phillips. They were MVPs at last year's All-American All-Star game. On Monday, that game will be held in Plymouth with all 31 NHL teams in attendance. Joining me now is Robert Masters-Simone, a second-round draft choice by the Detroit Red Wings. Welcome to the podcast, Robert.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Before we talk about the Red Wings, I'd like you to talk to us about the United States Hockey League. On January 20th, there's an all-star game here, and all the NHL scouts will be looking at the top prospects for the 2020 draft. You played in the game last year, you said it was an East-West format. Tell us a bit about that league and what fans might expect, Robert, from, from this all-star game.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great, great league. It's a really good development league. I think I I played in it for two years, and I think I had some of the best development I've ever had in my life. And I think the the all-star game that we played, the East West game, was a really fun time. Uh, It was a really good experience for me and everyone who played it. I think... Coming up, that BioSteel American Game, or whatever it is, it's, it's going to be it's going to be a really cool game, seeing all the the best top guys in the USHL right now facing off against the the 18s. Right so I think it's going to be really cool. Tell us a bit
0: about your game developing the last couple of years. Then you had lots of options, including the under 18 junior program here. Tell us how everything came about, Robert.
3: It was probably February of 2016, yeah. where or yeah, 2016, where I got cut from the, the United States program, and I. Went and tendered with Chicago later that year okay. and I think that was probably one of the best decisions i made in my life. I think Chicago had great development uh, staff for me, I think. Uh, for, I had first year coach Mark Avalon. He helped me a lot in, in part of my games of, it, but a bunch of different parts of my games, were, whether it was the offensive skill or defensive play. And I think the second year or even the first year we had uh, Coach Ryan Crothers halfway through the year we had a okay. coaching switch in. He brought a lot of skill and offensive play to my game. And then Greg Moore was a great coach. I did a lot of – he coached here at the program the year before, and then he came to us in Chicago. And I think he helped me with a lot of skill development. And we did a lot of one-on-one video. We worked with Daryl Belfry. And it was just – we did a lot of individual little stuff, like little details that really helped my game.
0: You know, going back to uh, February 2016, what was that like? Was that the team which turned out to be the historic team that you got cut? Were some of the players there? Or how close do you think you might have come, and what was that experience like?
3: Yeah, I mean, that, that turned out to be that, that historic <laughs> team, and I think I got really close. And uh, I think it was a good experience for me, and it put a little fire in me and just yeah. a little bit more drive than, than I would have had if I made it, I think.
0: Talk about that drive because all the scouting reports and even Steve Eisman at the draft and others talked about that internal drive and sometimes disappointments like that can, can actually drive people. Yeah
3: exactly, I think that, that internal drive yeah. is something, it's one of my best aspects of my game and I think I think once you get that internal drive it just keeps keep building, you don't, you don't ever let it stop. And, just keep using everything against you as motivation and everything. Everything is just lights more fire under you and wants you, makes you want to work even harder.
0: The Red Wings, could you tell us a little bit about the interview with Steve Eisenman? Was there anything that seemed to go well or questions about your competitiveness or this drive that you have?
3: Yeah, we met at yeah. the Combine. It was it was an awesome meeting. I mean, I think the scheduled meeting times there, 20 minutes, I think we went a little bit way over that. So I we were just talking hockey. Yeah. And it just went. It was like it just felt natural talking to him and Draper and everyone in that room. It was just everything went really well in that interview. What does it mean to be
0: drafted by by the Red Wings? What does it mean, Robert?
3: I mean, it it means a lot. It's a great organization, just an original team. I mean, there's a lot of history in that. Great fans, great arena. I think just it's just it's just really like cool to look at all that stuff and take it in. Be like, wow, like I could play for this team.
0: What are you thinking as far as down the road?
3: Yeah, I can definitely see myself yeah. playing for the Red Wings. I mean, that's yeah. my dream. I mean, I think I still got a lot of work to do, as I always will, but it's a long path. I think it's it's going to work out as long as I keep putting all the work in and keep working as hard as I can. Joining me now is
0: Boston University coach Albie O'Connell, and Albie, if you could sort of update us on some of the Detroit Red Wings draft picks on the Boston Terriers, starting with... Robert Mastro-Simone, who we just spoke to, a second-round pick. How is how is he playing in his freshman year?
2: Uh, Robert's playing really well. Uh, he, he hasn't uh, put up the points that he probably wants to at this point, but he's generating a lot of offense. Uh, he's good in all three zones. He's competitive. He's got really good second effort on pucks, and he's a guy that's in on the four-check, and he's back blocking a shot, and he'll have four, five, six hits in a game. He's not a big guy, but he's highly competitive, and He does a lot of other things besides getting on the score sheet that uh that makes you a good hockey player
0: now robert said he's on a line with another red wings draft pick ethan phillips tell us a bit about ethan and and how his season has come along
2: well ethan ethan played a lot less junior hockey before he came in he only played a half a season um so he was he wasn't behind the eight ball he was he's just a little bit physically slight right now but his skating is is elite he can really skate he's got great edges He's got good sense. He's just learning how to play at our level. He's stronger than he looks. He can bounce some big guys off bucks. Um, he's looked terrific since he's been back. I think he was a little worn down from the first half. You know, it's a little bit of a grind, your first college uh, half, and then just managing that and the school, and then just everything being new. But he's uh, he's played a lot of minutes. He's, he's another guy that's playing a lot of situations. Has a young guy for us and has done well, and we expect him second half to you know kind of take a step
0: and how about a draft pick for defenseman casper cuts Gonzalo from the 2017 draft i believe he's a junior now and how's he how's he been developing
2: well he's developing into a leader on our team you know he's pretty vocal uh, a lot more vocal this year than he has been in the in years prior he's got a lot more confidence uh he's a guy that plays he doesn't play on the power play but he plays every other situation for us he's very good at breaking you out of the zone he's good in the neutral zone moving the puck but his his strength is being like a two-way defenseman he's a defender he's heavy strong um, and he makes really good outlets he's he's a guy that really works at his game he's got a pretty pretty professional attitude and he's uh we're looking for him to kind of be a leader and and a solid guy that can he's really good in the penalty kill he blocks shots he's really physical so he brings a lot of value to our team
0: and just a couple more things here on january 20th the ushl the best players for the 2020 draft will be here all the scouts will be here Robert Master Simone said he and Ethan were named the MVPs when East played West last year but this year they'll be here in Plymouth and they'll be facing the under 18 team. so I would just like your opinion about the USHL and what fans can expect looking at perhaps some of the best players who will be in the 2020 draft
2: uh, well, the USA Challenge General is—it's a, a terrific league for kids to develop in. Yeah. Uh, they play in a lot of different cities. They're on buses, play in a lot of different environments. Uh, and some of the younger guys, like Master Simone and Phillips, they had to play as younger guys in the league with first 19 and 20 year olds. So, yeah. I think it's a, its a, its more of a man's game than you know some of the younger youth hockey that they've played. Oh. Um, and it's—it's it's fast-paced. You know, they—it's—it's yeah. it's not an easy league to score in. Um, so, But they've, they've produced a lot of really good college players, and in turn, a lot of guys for the draft, and then they've moved forward on to the NHL.
0: And uh, finally, there's one other local connection with hockey fans here. The Frozen Four will be at Little Caesars come April. A couple of years ago, Michigan was in the same position as you. I believe they were around 500. You mentioned how Michigan had to go through BU to get to the Final Four. But what are, you, what are your thoughts about trying to get, obviously, to the, to the Frozen Four?
2: Yeah, no, it's it's uh, at the start of the year, you want the record to be better at the start, but considering the way what we've gone through with some of the injuries, um, we had our top center out for the year. Cockrell, one of our best forwards, out for, out until just about now. He's not going to play tonight, but he'll be ready over the next couple of weeks. We didn't have DeBoer, Steven, so we were missing six, seven guys, so we thought for ourselves... If we can get these young guys, like Master Simone and Phillips yeah. and Zegris and some of our young yeah. guys, good minutes, the second half, it'll really help when those guys come back. So the season really starts in the second half. If you can hover in your league around the top four and hover uh, just around in striking distance to make the NCAs and get on a run, then, then there's a legitimate chance. The teams that end up doing well in that tournament are 1 to 16. It doesn't matter what number you get in. Because some of the 15, 16 teams have won the whole tournament. So it's just a matter of getting in and giving, and feeling good about your game at that time. So I, we, we like our team. We're really young. It's a fun team to coach. We've got 11, 12, well, we've got 13 freshmen now. We took two guys in at the mid-year. So we've got a pretty young team. And we're, uh, we, we've lived with a lot of woes in the first half of guys making some mistakes and learning. And, you know, the teams that do well are the teams that really get going in the second half.
0: Elby, thanks for your time here on our podcast. Best of luck with BU the rest of the way. And as Brad Berry said, he'd like to see us again come Frozen Four if possible. That would be amazing. We're joined now by Ethan Phillips, a draft choice of the Detroit Red Wings. And Ethan, first of all, if you could talk to us about the United States Hockey League. On January 20th, they're holding the All Star game here, or at least a, a game where the top draft picks for the 2020 draft will be here in front of all the scouts. and. I was talking to Robert Master simone a teammate of yours at Boston U, another Detroit Red Wing draft pick. He said last year you guys were in like a East-West game and you were both named, I believe, MVPs. My mm-hmm. question to you is, though, how good is that league as, as, as you see it sort of developing?
4: I think it really kind of helped me prepare for college, uh, you know, compared to some of the other junior leagues yeah. around North America. Um, it's definitely one of the more defensive and low-scoring ones, so oh. it's uh, similar to college. It's a tight game with... Um, tight systems and good teams and good players. So, Just playing against top players in the US and uh, some kids that they import from other countries, it's, it's a great, it's a really competitive league and um, I think it definitely helped me get ready for this year.
0: No, Ethan, you've seen the other side, the Canadian Hockey League, two of the players that were, um, you guys billeted, uh, Nico Heischer of the New Jersey Devils and Phillip Zadina. So you saw what it was like in Halifax mm-hmm. with the Bluesheads, in the Dartmouth area. So you saw what that was like. right? Yeah. And the, what are the advantages that you saw that Zadina, your your Billet brother, go through? Because that, that must have been a, quite an experience for you.
4: Yeah, it was, it was awesome to have guys like yeah. Nico and uh, Phil come through the house and just having them as, like, resources to talk to. Yeah. And, you know, I got to see them go through the whole draft experience uh, before I did. So just talking with them about the whole combine and getting ready mm-hmm. and just the pressures of the season. So, yeah. Um, They were really helpful with all of that
0: can you tell us a bit about philip Zadina's progress in halifax how he was able to become you know top top 10 draft pick and how you saw his game develop
4: yeah um i mean i was away at school for most of the year so i didn't get to see him all the time but uh when i was home and just like keeping in touch with him and talking with my parents um you could see how much he loved the game and he was just having fun like um you know, he'd, he'd look into the crowd, see my parents, he give them a wave in the middle of the game. He wasn't stressed. He was just enjoying yeah. the game and having fun. Um, so I think that's the one of the biggest things I picked up off oh. of him was just enjoy the game. Uh, you know, there doesn't have to be pressure.
0: You've seen how difficult it is for somebody even as strong and dynamic as Philip Adina, spending time in the minors. That must be also a learning experience for you as well. No matter where you're drafted, mm-hmm. there's still steps to be taken, right, Ethan?
4: Yeah, it's, it's a long route, and... Um, you know, talking with Phil, he, he wants to be in the NHL, so he's doing what he can to be up there. And, you know, he's with Detroit now doing well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just just looking at that, you know, it's it's not like you're drafted and the next thing you know you're in the NHL. It's, it's a long road, and you hear of all these guys that spend a lot of time in college or um, a long time to, in the minors. So, yeah. you know, you, you, you can't expect it to be overnight success, and you can't expect to just be in the NHL right away.
0: How do you feel about the long road ahead? You're a freshman here, coach. Albie O'Connell talked a bit about your game, playing on the line with Robert Master simone He talked about your elite skating skill with edges, and he said all you need really is a little bit more weight and a little more strength, and of course that's going to come, but how do you see year one of your development here?
4: Yeah, I think it's just, uh, I gotta take advantage of um, you know the, the gym back at BU. We got a great program there with Kyle Check. And, um, you know, there's always food around for us, so I just got to fill up my plate.
0: How much do you weigh now, and, and
4: what, what, what weight would you like to get at? Uh? Um, yeah, right now I'm about 150 pounds, yeah. and I think by the end of it, I'd like to be around 170, 175. I don't see myself as, like, a heavy player, but um, I think the hardest part with it all is just kind of finding a balance. You know, yeah. you're tired, and yeah. you don't always want to go to the gym or go down and grab food, so... Um, it's just you gotta for some people like skating is the hardest thing for them to work on and learn and sure. that seems to have come more natural to me and I guess for me is just eating is the toughest thing for me.
0: How about the idea that Steve Eisman has a history in Tampa Bay of drafting players who um maybe a little bit smaller than say six foot, six foot two inch forward, but he looks for like competitiveness and drive talent and smarts does it give you like hope that it doesn't matter how big you are that there's a role there's a possible role for you down the road
4: yeah that's always yeah. kind of been something for me i've never been a big guy i've always been undersized so i think just being able to play almost i guess fearless like you're not afraid to go into the corners with bigger guys and and compete yeah. in battle so um i think that's that's something that's helped me is just you're going to get hit, so it's part of the game, and you can't really shy away from it.
0: Okay, wrapping up, Ted, a few things. Any injury updates from downstairs? Valtteri Filppula went out in the first period with a lower body injury. Right, but
1: they expect him back for Monday, it looks like. No guarantees, but it's... Looks like it's day-to-day, basically.
0: Monday's your next game, an afternoon Martin Luther King game against Colorado. The Avalanche won today. They beat the Stanley Cup champion Blues 5-3. That's a bad matchup for these people. It really is.
1: I mean, the offense that Colorado can put together. And then Minnesota and the – whatever you want to call it. I don't want to call it the first half. But right, right. But before heading into the break, I mean – oftentimes that team that's heading into that break they're concentrating about the break and considering the way the this, this season's gone for the wings <laughs> they'll be looking forward to that break so these are going to be two very very okay. difficult games on the road
0: and finally ted any positives any other positives from the game you're down in the in the locker room, and uh, certainly Blaschel talking about Larkin's two-way game. That's encouraging news. Clark, that's the only
1: positive was a 7 o'clock start tonight, so we're <laughs> able to get home quicker. By
0: the way, our next podcast will... Well, let me take that back. Yeah. Jimmy
1: Howard. That's an important, positive step forward for this team because, let's face it, the goaltending hasn't been very good for the, for the most part here this sure. season. If they can get Jimmy rolling, that is going to be a big step forward. Yeah, for that. that would that
0: would be a positive sign. Our next podcast will be after the All-Star bye week. Uh, Tuesday, January 28th, we'll probably be back downtown in our studio at the Detroit News. Uh, look for us then. And just a couple of final things. The winners of our Nick Lidstrom books are both from out of town, California's Cindy Tongue and Colorado's Brian Brueger. Also, check out our Octopulse Facebook page. We've had more than 50,000 page views there. And there's lots of photos and Ted's videos on Instagram and Instagram stories. I think, Ted, it's time for us now to head out into the snow and uh, say goodnight to everybody. Goodnight. Good night. good, Have a good one. You too. Good night.